Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and I want to thank you for listening to our program and sharing us with your friends. Our audience has grown by leaps and bounds from when it was just my mother listening. Now it's at least five <laughs> other people. She, she used to listen like five or six times, so I'd feel better. <laughs> Look at the number. Anyway, keep sending in your feedback and topic ideas. We appreciate it and read them all. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave a review about the Informed Pregnancy Podcast in your podcast app. Today, you've tuned into a before episode of a before and after birth journey. Our guest is a support coordinator for the Los Angeles PSI, Postpartum Support International, whose mission it is to promote awareness, prevention, and treatment of mental health issues related to childbearing. She helps connect women and their families with the support and local resources they need. She's also a proud stay-at-home mom to her toddler son, and she's expecting baby number two in just a few weeks. And she's on a VBAC journey, planning to have a vaginal birth after cesarean. Sarah Miriam Betterman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I've been talking to you for a long time. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to get your story out. <clears throat> uh, also joining us in the studio is Sarah's doula. She's a veteran in the field with over 10 years of experience as an active birth doula and patient advocate, and she's the coolest water bottle ever. <laughs> There's a baby coming out of it. Um, she was Sarah's doula during her first birth, and she'll also be her doula this time around. Catherine Deeb, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. All right. So take us to a few years ago. A few years ago. You got knocked up. Were you yes. planning on it, or did it just happen? No, we, we were trying, and it happened really fast. And I was like, whoa, I'm pregnant. And so... The train, the train left the station on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. I mean, some people struggle with that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, we were very lucky. And for a lot of my pregnancy, I was just, I was working, I was teaching back then, and I had this gynecologist that I had been seeing, and I just was just like, okay, she'll be my OBGYN. I didn't really think about it much. And as my pregnancy progressed, I started to read a lot. I read, like, the Ina May book and... What? What? Because that's a very natural-minded book. Are you a natural-minded person? How did you end up in the INMA territory? I didn't know that I was a natural. I am a natural-minded person. I didn't know that I was a natural-minded person related to pregnancy and birth, but I realized that I was through my reading. It was partially going to prenatal yoga and talking to other women about their plans, and I was like, oh, she's with the midwives. That sounds really cool. Mm. And so I was kind of just being exposed to this side of it that I hadn't known or explored before. And I sort of shift. I started this massive shift. It happened over a while. I, I read Ina May. I read. Um, I read like a lot of birth, more mechanical books. Like I read this book called The Big Book of Birth. It was all about how birth works. And I don't. I don't remember what else. I read so many books. You're a reader though, in general. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big always, reader. I'm, I'm like a little reader. I, I mean, I'm a big guy reading, but I don't read a lot. Yeah. And you're always giving me suggestions. Yeah. And I, they sound great, and your passion for them makes me order them. So I have a yeah. stack of a few of books, Sarah books. That you know, I read like two <laughs> chapters, and then I get the next one, and I read yeah. two chapters. Yeah. But so you're a big reader. I'm a big reader, and I like information. I'm very information driven, and I like to be informed and make informed decisions. So well, you're on the right podcast. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so through talking to other women and then re my reading, I realized that maybe I didn't want to be with an OB. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, you probably remember, it was this long drawn out process where I was like trying to suss out if my OB was okay, if I trusted her. And I was back and forth about it a lot. 
then it just kind of came to a head. I tried to ask her some questions, and I did not like her answers. She kind of shut me down. And What kind of things? Like, I tried to ask her, what would a true emergency be? And she said something like, well, that's for me to decide. Mm. And I was like, cool. Well, that's <laughs> not really what I'm looking for. That we couldn't even, like, talk about it as adults. I didn't like that. I didn't like feeling like there was a power dynamic, and I had to kind of just go along with what she thought was right or wanted without me being a participant, an informed adult who could also participate. So I ended up switching to the midwives at UCLA at 35 weeks. At what point did you get a doula? I got my doula, Catherine, (laughs) kind of late. I remember we went on our baby moon to Mexico, and I was like 26 or 27 weeks. And that's when I really started reading and finished the Ina book, which Mm -hmm. rocked my world. I was like, wow, I didn't know all this stuff and kind of the whole system. And obviously that's one perspective. Did you read Spiritual Midwifery or or Guide to Childbirth? Just just the Guide to Childbirth. Um, But it's kind of cool when you read through it. If you don't know much about birth and you read – like for me reading through, I'm like, wow, this sounds really neat. I wish I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And also just learning more about kind of the maternity care system and how complicated it can be. Um, it really changed my perspective. So did you make the shift before looking for a doula or did you already find a doula and then? So that's what I'm trying to remember. I I, I know we talked a lot about it and I remember going with you to see yeah. a doctor. I think we either day. I so think you... we either hired Catherine right before that trip or right after. Okay. Um, what did you like about Catherine? Pretend like she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> she smells really nice. Oh. <laughs> no, I it? mean, I do like that about her. Uh, we just kind of clicked. I met with five or six different doulas, and I remember one was a little too like, you can deny this, you can deny that, you know, fight the system. And, and I didn't really want a doula like fighting mm-hmm. in that way. And then there were a few others that I just didn't click with on a personal level. I thought they were nice and they seemed good at what they do. Well, it's 90% chemistry. Right. So. And then we met Catherine and I was like, she's the one. She's the one. She I just clicked amazing. with her. She smelled so nice. Yeah. Does I it felt... say that on your doula <laughs> No, but I'm going to change that. 10 years of experience. Yeah. But both my husband and I felt really comfortable with her and we felt like she was the right person. So we just decided to go for it. Hmm. And I've never regretted it. When did you become a doula, Catherine? Uh, 2009. And what led you to that? Um, the short story is I have two I have two grown sons. I had very precipitous hospital births, um, unmedicated laborers. I had really fantastic care providers, kind of lucked out both times. And um, I thought about being a midwife and then flash forward had kids, was a single mom, became a single mom. Couldn't go back through school, um, so kind of went back into my old work. And it was only about 12 years ago that my friends just started to have kids um, oh. and started talking about their doulas. So that's sort of Did how you start I, having kids really young? I was young when I had my kids, yeah. So yeah. my kids, my friends were all way behind me. Um, yeah. I mean, being a single mom with two kids and – it just makes how good you smell even more. Because <laughs> <you know? laughs> right. it could have gone the other way. Yeah, I mean, really. 
Um, yeah, so the, you guys seem like a great match. I mean, it seems like it'd be best buds forever. So. Yeah, we've become really good friends. We are good friends. She went through a lot with me. <laughs> so let's talk about that. So yeah. you switched to a midwifery program in a hospital. Did mm-hmm. you think about home birth at any point? I did explore home birth. Um, we were working together then because we were talking. Yeah. I met Alex. Right. I met, I met midwife Alex. Mm-hmm. How does she love. smell? Just kidding. You don't, don't have to remember. Go into that. She's really awesome. She's awesome. She's a, um, her energy. Yeah, she's just a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I met with her. I met with a doctor that does home births. Oh, right. And yeah, we have that in LA. Right, a couple of them. There's a couple. And um, I was more interested in it than my husband. He was kind of uncertain about it. And then I sort of realized that I wasn't sure I was comfortable with it either. That maybe I was just afraid of the whole hospital system. But midwife Alex actually said to me, not wanting to, you know, having fears about the hospital doesn't mean that a home birth is right for you. Truth. Which is a major truth. And that really resonated with me. So ultimately, we we both felt that the midwives were a good compromise because they're at a hospital, but they're midwives. It's kind of a blend of. Yeah. It's a different model. More of the model that I wanted. I really like the midwifery model. Did you ask them what a true emergency would be? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think we talked a lot about I don't think we – yeah. I also switched so late that – I mean, I did talk to them, but I, I, it, was, it, was, it was not a lot of time to get to know everybody. And Did you feel comfortable very, once you made the switch? I felt like a huge sense of relief. All right. Now, um, you, you went past your due date. Way past. You were late. So late. My, my, <laughs> People say late. My child did not want to come out. Yeah. How far past did you go? He was born at 42 weeks. Okay. I went into labor at 41 plus 5. On your own? On, I mean, yes, on my own. It was. I tried all kinds of natural induction methods. What did you try? Everything. Um, <laughs> all the stuff. I, I wrote it down here. I did pineapple, spicy food, sex. The salad. I never tried the salad because oh, I didn't want to go yeah. to the valley. Oh, I was like, I'm not, going to, Hello. I'm not going to the valley. You can Postmates your induction salad. There, were, there was no Postmates back then. Oh, right? Really? <laughs> this was a while ago. Was it, task, it must have been TaskRabbit. Somebody would have gone to get that damn salad. I, just, I didn't believe in the salad, yeah. so I, I didn't. TaskRabbit's even better. Maybe, I, maybe, that's what, maybe that's why what happened happened. It's so much easier to do all these induction things now that we have all these services Right. Available. Just have everything delivered. I had a mom tell me the other day she's going to hire a TaskRabbit to have uh, – sex with her husband because oh, that's interesting. <laughs> she's, she's like if that'll help get this baby out yeah i'll do it <laughs> she's like i'm not having sex with anybody uh, oh man that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> i used evening primrose oil both orally and as a suppository i walked and i did like crazy hiking with my husband like at 41 weeks i hiked five miles oh wow it was really painful um and I did have my membrane stripped one time. I'm pretty it, sure that's more than I've hiked in 41 years. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I did a 40 a 40 a 40 week hike and then a 41 week hike. Wow. And they were both was it hard? Like the breathing and the just... the breathing was okay. It was more just my. Oh, but you're like a fitness. Yeah. You're like Orange Theory and yeah. I'm like creamsicle. It's right. different. <laughs> it was more just the I wore my support belt. I have this maternity support belt that we now call my moving belt. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like a moving you're, belt. Home Depot, baby. Yeah, so I wore that. Um, but, you know, it's just your body's sore and heavy and your pelvis feels kind of wonky. That was probably the hardest part. Do you think any of those were helpful? In... Who knows? You don't know. I so mean, how did labor start? I don't think anything really works unless your body's ready. 
There's one more thing I did that I wanted to mention. Oh, what's that? Castor oil. Oh. Yeah. So you're getting desperate. I was. I got desperate. That was the day. I did it the morning of the day. Like, I went into labor that evening. How'd you take it? I did it with orange juice. <laughs> you did it with orange juice? I did it with orange juice. <laughs> I, I didn't take a lot. It was like a tablespoon with orange juice and then another tablespoon a few hours later. No vodka? <laughs> no vodka. Right. I don't like vodka. Oh. I don't drink liquor. I don't like castor oil, so I just it's, do the vodka yeah, and orange it's juice. It's kind of similar. Um, Some nipple stimulation? Yeah, that was later in the day. Mm-hmm. The castor oil, like, I mean, I have a lifetime of GI problems behind me, so it really wasn't that bad. Oh, this was like familiar territory. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, this is living your childhood. Right. I was like, this isn't that bad. <laughs> my child, my, my adulthood, too. Well, some people um, go for the teddy bear. You went for the castor. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it definitely worked in the sense that it got my bowels moving. I don't know if it did anything else. To labor. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a factor in how my labor went, but it's not something I want to do again. Oh, so you're crossing that off your list for around Yeah, okay. definitely crossing that Just off Just because it's so uncomfortable? Just because I'm not sure if it caused my uterus to go a little crazy. Oh, you think it might have been counterproductive? Yeah. Okay. Who knows? Hmm. Um, and I did do some nipple stimulation with the breast pump in the afternoon and then again in the evening after we came back from going out to dinner. And at that point, things were kind of starting. And I was excited. I was like, finally. <laughs> what do you mean by starting? Like just more a, a pattern of surgeries, Yeah, I, felt, I was I was having consistent contractions. They were mild, but I was having – it was definitely nothing that I had had before. I'd had Braxton Hicks and it wasn't that. Did you feel an immediate change with pumping? Um. It's hard to remember. Yeah. I have no, I don't know. I don't remember. I tried it. I didn't get any contractions. Yeah. Did you get any milk? <laughs> no. It's <laughs> a shame. <laughs> I was sore for two days. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, so then I was in early labor. That was, I mean, that was, that was what we thought. At and 41 and a half weeks. At 41 plus five. Okay. So almost 42. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm doing the MATH. Yeah, and I was and I was excited because I had an induction scheduled for 42. I really didn't want to be induced. I had wanted a drug-free labor. Just I, just say no. Like Ina May. Yeah. Um, I, I had I definitely had like a romanticized, idealized version of it, a of vision and a vision of it in my mind. Labor and birth. Yeah, I was like, my body knows what to do, and it's gonna be great, and all of that. Well, do you feel like that's not true anymore? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think it's true for some people. I don't think it's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of factors that can mess that up. And um, do you think your body doesn't know what to do, or do you think that there's, like you said, factors that are that are kind of take away from its natural ability to do what it wants to do when I, it wants to I do? I think my body knows what to do. My body did do what it was supposed to do, despite a lot of obstacles in my labor. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of other factors that are out of your control. Like yeah. the baby's position and oh, for sure. how long your labor lasts and how sick you are. And there's just so many things that are yeah. that are unknown. But I, I mean, do think the also, body knows like, what You had do. the pressure. It was like you're yes. up against a hard deadline. Yes. So like I never – I've watched a lot of elephants give birth and mm-hmm. I've never seen them snort like castor oil beforehand. Like, right. Uh, you know. Or like, oh my God, my doctor is going to induce me tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The baby's measuring 275 pounds. Right. We better hurry up and yeah. get this thing out or it'll yeah. get stuck. So there's those kind of factors. There's the, the pressure, like mm-hmm. the rational, educated intelligence that sometimes gets in the way of getting in touch with your instincts yeah. or like innate intelligence. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm not, I mean, I guess sometimes factors come up and the body can't do what it wants to do. That's mm-hmm. always true in health. That's why sometimes we get sick. It's, yeah. But, but I think generally speaking, the body does kind of know what to do. I absolutely agree with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a perfect process that. Well, 100%. That works true. out the way everybody wants it to all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and we had fam- a lot of family in town waiting around, which was additional oh, pressure. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't even need to get into, but it was really stressful. Hmm. Um, like three of the four parents, my wow. mine and my husband's were there, just kind of waiting around and fun times. Yeah, it was it was a lot, <laughs> and so much of labor is mental, right? Right. I mean, it's like eighty percent mental, twenty mm-hmm. percent physical. Yeah, and I did kind of think I would be late. I don't really like that word, but. Post, you know, I, th- I I knew I I knew I wouldn't be 39 weeks or 38 weeks. My husband was born at 42 and a half, so I knew that like genetics were probably not on my side. Right. But I ne- I didn't think I would be almost 42 weeks and up against like all this time pressure. Major and, induction. Yeah, an induction and. Which because you don't want it is just so much. It was so stressful. External pressure. I mean, you mm-hmm. you remember for sure. I was like freaking out every day. So if you're in early labor, how does that progress? What time of day did you start to notice it? Um, I think I I think I started to the the time I remember starting to feel contractions is when we went out for ramen for dinner mm-hmm. Ben and I. And um, spicy or not spicy? Not spicy. <laughs> Too much reflux. <laughs> Yeah, in general, I don't I'm like just spicy. Doing a but double blind study on es- which ramen, especially <laughs> in, especially in pregnancy, not spicy. Mm. I actually didn't get ramen though, which I got. Oh. I got like this rice and other dish, which I really regret. Really? <laughs> I puked it up in the morning. You <laughs> That's have why to. I like, if you're in, I'm just saying, if you're in early labor, you got to think about yeah both ways. How's uh, this right. going? I didn't really think out? about that. That was yeah. a mistake. Just know it to listeners. Yeah. Don't don't eat anything that you don't want to vomit yeah. up. I should make a top ten list of things that taste pretty good on the way out. Like rice and scrambled eggs would probably be a safer bet. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I was starting to feel contractions and and I was excited, but I but I wasn't really sure. I'd never been in labor before. And then we came home and I decided to pump a little more and kept going and I was like, Oh great. So I was on my birthing ball, kinda rolling around and I remember the first, like, I don't know, three or four hours, it just kind of building gradually. And then there was a shift. And it was just like, bam. <laughs> my contractions were really long. They were all in my back. Ooh. And they were on top of each other. I couldn't, no breaks? No, like, I mean, very small breaks. I couldn't, I couldn't lie down. I couldn't relax. I couldn't even sit in the tub. I had to be moving the whole time. Wow. It was excruciating. You're pretty tough, too. Yeah. So. She's really tough. Yeah. And I was just powering through it. I was like, okay, this is what it is. I'm doing it. And and I was breathing, and it was really hard. And then I think Catherine came around like 1 in the morning. Ben called me. Mm-hmm. Ben called her and, and was like hey, it's really intense. And, and they were close together. And they were close together. And so we didn't we didn't know. We were like, maybe it's maybe it's happening really fast. That was kind of my hope. Yeah. And so Catherine came. Ben was able to nap, which I was kind of jealous about. <laughs> really jealous. But he rested. And, um, and Catherine was with me like all night. I spent a lot of time in the shower because I couldn't sit in the bath. Just because you wanted to move? Yeah, I wanted to move. But the water pressure on my back felt really good. Mm-hmm. And was it all still? Was it all in your back, or some? All of some, it. it. was like all back labor. All back labor. Mm. Was like, the baby posterior? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, at the end he was. So then, in the morning, at some point, we I started to freak out a little. I feel like it was like seven. Eight. It was like seven or eight a.m. And I was like, I don't know if I feel him moving enough, and I was starting to kind of panic. 
because it had been it already been like over 12 hours and I I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And 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 I was hoping that maybe I was close to transition, but I wasn't. So we went to the hospital and that was a whole mess. They had to go to triage. They didn't have a room. So I'm in triage, like in agony. Mm, they were still at Westwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were at a different hospital. Yeah. We were in triage. I was in agony. She checked me. I was two centimeters. Oh, boy. And I, which was like mentally really oh, discouraging <laughs> after, you know, 12 hours. Well, of, you thought you were eight or nine ready to push. I didn't. I didn't think I was eight or nine, but I thought I was more than that. Right. She definitely seemed active. Yeah. So two is a big. Uh, that was not not good news. <laughs> yeah, and contractions were like two or three minutes apart, mm-hmm. and yeah, but they were all long. They were really long. All right. It was a wacky mm-hmm. labor. It was not a textbook normal labor. That doesn't surprise me coming from you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I like to push the envelope. I guess yeah. you like to read books, but you don't like to be a textbook. Right. I don't. I don't um, want to fit into the norm. <laughs> you know, I had a. Uh, I don't, we're gonna take a break in a second, and then come back and finish your story. But I had a a birth where I was at a, a long birth and I came back really exhausted but a little high from a really good birth experience mm-hmm. and I knew I needed to sleep I'd been up for even before that birth happened I had been up for a long time yeah and I was just a little too uppity so I was like you know I think what I have to do is medicate myself with a food coma so <laughs> I went to this place I think it closed down but this place called Mexico sure oh had, I knew that place you did yeah I mean I never went there but I've seen it did a giant burrito with like fried beef and all sorts of mm-hmm. things, and they loaded it up with everything. And I sat down and I started eating it slowly. And I never do this, but I got like a little more than halfway through, and I was like, wow, I'm really full. Maybe I should wrap this up. But I really <laughs> wanted to sleep, so I, I kept eating it. And by the time I was done, I could barely I'd like lift my belly up and walk out to the car. <clears throat> I'm in a light sweat on the way home. And I'm having a hard time breathing. And uh, I get home. I, I go upstairs towards my bed. I take off my glasses, I lay down in bed, and I'm just like, I feel my heart beating too, like really fast, and just like, what did you just eat? And then as I'm falling asleep, I'm go- I'm like in that almost asleep phase, and my phone rings, and it's another birth. And it's mm. she's oh early, God. and she's moving seemingly fast. really fast. She doesn't call me to say, hey, I might be in labor, right. I'm not sure what this is, can we talk? She's like, I'm on my way to Cedars, meet me at the hospital. Oh my God. I've had that happen. And I was yeah, like, you've had this a bunch of those recently. could not be worse for me. I was like, how could this it's possibly so happen? It's so hard. You're like, I'm pregnant with a burrito, and but I want to sleep. Exactly. My yeah. first thought is, there's no way this burrito is coming out before that baby comes out. Right. And so I get there, and I'm in the room, and there's a lot of people around her, and there's not even a place to sit, mm-hmm. right, except for the ball. She has a ball in the room. <laughs> but I don't know if it's just me, but I think large men in general don't trust the ball, mm-hmm. like that it's going to not pop. Yeah. But I also sort of need a little help keeping this burrito in. Like, she's not the only one feeling rectal pressure. So <laughs> oh, I'm sitting on the ball. And my job is I'm not even a doula. I'm massaging. I'm just massaging, okay. massaging, massaging. It's moving really fast. I'm uncomfortable. She's uncomfortable. <laughs> and, she, and she starts to say, she's like, whoa, I really feel a lot of rectal pressure. I'm like, oh, I can relate. <laughs> And then the nurse is like, should we check your cervix? And I'm like, mm-hmm, check her cervix. <laughs> and they thought, also they thought she was going to be transitioning, mm-hmm. seven, eight, and they check her, and she's three yeah. centimeters. And what you just said reminded me of that yeah. because mm-hmm. um, she was so let down. Yeah, and it's a I big letdown. I was, like, completely devastated. I was like, yeah. why don't you just have a C-section? I really have to go. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't mean no, that. No, no, I didn't say it or mean it, but I was just like, ugh, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, it's really so, a bummer. I worked it out in the end, but um, I'm glad. <laughs> I could almost feel your devastation. Yeah. <laughs> as you were saying that in that moment, because right, uh, especially after being up all night. Yeah, and powering and, through. And working so hard and, like, feeling that I was working towards something. Of course I was working towards something, but I, I thought there would be more of a result. Had you been checked before you went into labor, pelvic exam, cervical check? I they, like, did they? Or yeah, no? I, I, when I was 41 weeks, I had two uh, fluid checks and NSTs. That's another part of the story we didn't talk about, that I avoided an induction because of Ben. But not your cervix? They, didn't check. Oh, they did, did check sweep. my cervix, right. and I had a sweep. Do you know if you were dilated at all before then? I have it here somewhere. Um, I think I was like a one, one and a half. Okay, so that yeah. means that after all that labor, you got like another half, half centimeter. centimeter. Yeah, okay. it was ridiculous. On that note, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back <laughs> with Sarah and Catherine. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are continuing a birth journey with Sarah Miriam Betterman and her doula, Catherine Deeb. Okay, so labors when you get to the hospital, mm -hmm. you're two centimeters. Right. I forgot to mention that before I was checked, I went to the bathroom and puked up everything I'd eaten. All the junk from last night. All that, that ramen, whatever, it was like a rice and chicken bowl. It was terrible. And after that, my water broke. <laughs> It was pretty crazy. And then she checked me. I was only two Wait, centimeters. you threw up and then your water broke? Yeah. And you were still only two. Oh, that's when you got checked for that, the first time. Yeah. I see. So I was two centimeters, which was very discouraging. But I was 100% effaced. And she was able to manually open me to four centimeters. Oh. So we decided to stay, just given how everything had been oh, going. You, you might have gone home for just being too early. Could I, you even I, imagine going home? No. <laughs> yeah. There were no rooms available. Uh, yeah. Which was awesome. So I had to stay in triage for a little while. I was extremely uncomfortable. Like, as I said, I couldn't sit still. And I was in this, like, tiny little, tiny little roped off, with, you know, yeah. curtained off area. It was, it was miserable. And they couldn't tell us when a room would be ready. Then it ended up being not that long. And we got, like, the sickest room. Not <laughs> not that I really have – I don't really care what a hospital room looks like. But it was objectively a nice room. Well, it was good about it. It was a big room in the corner. It had great windows. It was, like, open and oh, light. Oh, so nice. And I actually felt a great sense of relief when I went in there and could get settled. Great. And there's a shower. And there was a shower. Mm -hmm. No tubs, unfortunately. That's Not at the lacking hospital. in yeah. all the hospitals. Some. Many. Most. Most. Yeah. Most here. And we got this incredible nurse who just really put me at ease and we just kind of settled in. And so then it was another, you know, 12 hours basically of. Same thing. The same thing. 
rolling on the ball and spending shower. time in the shower. I think you were in the shower for at least four hours. I was in the shower for a long time. That was later in the day. Mm. I kind of came mm-hmm. in and out, but I know later in the day I was in the shower. And that was when actually my body was extremely exhausted and it, my contractions were starting to peter out. And I remember kind of sitting on this stool in the shower and you were there and like nodding off. <laughs> <laughs> I was so dead. But I continued, you know, laboring and doing hard work all day. I was on the ball a lot. Um, the midwife came in and rubbed my back a little bit a few times, counter pressure, whatever. And Ben was there and Catherine was there. It just took forever. And I don't – it's all kind of a blur. Like I don't really – I have Catherine's timeline here and I have this thing that I wrote. That you wrote after the birth? Yeah. I just found it on my computer today. Oh, cool. I was like, oh, I forgot I wrote this. <laughs> But it was pretty long and miserable. What happened after that 12 hours? I don't remember if they checked me again. I think I was still four centimeters. Do you remember? I have to look here. <laughs> it's I like, know, there's I know so it's, many details. I'm sure it's probably about, in my notes. Hey, Siri. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Siri I don't think Siri know. knows. I wish she did. There should Let be a see. Siri birth monitoring app. Um, so you can remember afterwards. Oh, okay. This is from your timeline. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> this is so helpful. <laughs> At 3.30 p.m. that day, I was at five or six centimeters, negative one station. Oh, my so four bag was bulging. Most of my water had already broken, but there was this four bag. Yeah. So I agreed to them breaking it. And then we continued with the laboring and whatnot. Then in the evening, um, they, they came in to discuss options and said if there was no progress, they wanted to start a low dose of Pitocin to try to get things going again. Yeah. My contractions had really petered out. I was exhausted. It was the whole thing was a mess. So they checked me again. I was the same. Okay. I was like five, six centimeters. And I agreed to the Pitocin. I've never been more exhausted in my life. I felt like I had run four marathons and I have run a marathon before. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I uh, did a marathon. Long time ago. Oh yeah? It was a Nick at night who's the boss marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and even then I struggled. <laughs> this was a running marathon? Oh right. Okay. <laughs> it was Different. so hard. <laughs> And um, and so I agreed to the Pitocin because I, I just – I didn't think I could go on. I had been awake for something like 36 hours. I had been in labor for 26 hours. Not really eating? Not really eating. I had puked again. I tried to eat that afternoon, I remember, and then mm-hmm. I puked again all over the bathroom. I was apologizing to the guy who came to clean it. I was like, I'm so Aww. sorry. He's like, it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I see it all the time. Yeah, it's not like you were the first. <laughs> I know, but it, I just – it wasn't good. <laughs> So I decided to agree to the Pitocin, even though that was not what I had wanted at all. I wanted no drugs. And then I was debating on the epidural, and I decided to go for the epidural just because I couldn't imagine being awake for, like, another day doing this on Pitocin, no less, Mm -hmm. with stronger contractions. So my whole vision, like, started to – it had already been slipping away, but then it really started to slip away. I will say that Epidural was great. <laughs> I mean, I've never been so happy to see that anesthesiologist. I was chatting him up. I was like, hey, are you single? I might have a friend I want to set you up with. <laughs> he was just adorable. If you do a good job. He was this adorable young Jewish guy. And I oh. was like, oh, it was great. So we, we after I got the Epidural, we were all able to sleep and rest. And I was hopeful that in getting the Epidural more than the Pitocin, that I would be able to rest and recover and things would kind of – get going in a better direction Mm -hmm. because I've heard a lot of stories of friends and other people where, you know, they have this labor that's really difficult and they're exhausted and then they get an epidural, they're able to rest and kind of rejuvenate and are able to 
ultimately, not not that it's exactly the way they wanted it to go, but they're able to ultimately have success in terms of having a vaginal birth. Right, and, therapeutic rest. Right, that their body needs to recover. Labor is no joke. Mm. <laughs> so we rested overnight, and they woke me up a bunch to switch sides and and all of that. Put you in Sims. Mm-hmm. And what? Put you in Sims. Sims. Yeah. 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 So I was so I was switching sides. Make sure you're sleeping okay. Yeah. We had great nurses. Our first nurse was amazing. Our our second nurse overnight, <laughs> Catherine called her a ninja before you got here. Mm. <laughs> she would just like sneak in and totally out. Quiet. Like, yeah. did not make oh, any noise. She was awesome. She like mm-hmm. didn't wake us up unless she had to. Oh, I feel so like nice. we got to sleep like five hours at one point. Yeah, like, we definitely all got along. Nobody stretch. bothering us. It felt fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine was exhausted. I was exhausted. Ben was exhausted. And then I don't remember a lot about Sunday about the, that Sunday, the second day. I feel like you were like definitely getting into transition somewhere in like the early morning hours, yeah. just as far as progress. I have it. Well, I have it here. <laughs> so thanks, Catherine. <laughs> um, so at two thirty a.m. that night, I was seven centimeters, ninety percent of face, zero station, but he seemed asynclitic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that mean? Do you want to answer? Baby's head was just just slightly off center. It was not, at a weird angle. Not lined up there was quite something right. going on in there. He had a giant head. He was ninety eighth percentile. He did have a giant head. Oh wow! It was like a giant, beautiful round head. Where does he get that? Big from? brain from my husband. Oh. My husband has a big head. <laughs> with a big brain. With a really big brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was even with all the rotating and mm-hmm. even with all the stems and yeah. It just wasn't lined up right. And we had suspected. Because now you're you're pretty advanced then. Yeah. You, she was moving. I saw my body was working. Yeah. I believe it knows what to do. I mean, despite all these obstacles, it it's still. You were plugging along. Knew what to do. Slow and steady. I thought yeah. you'd have a baby by noon. I know. At that point. Yeah. What happened at noon? Nothing. Oh, Nothing just, happened. Just <laughs> kept going. And so they just kept checking you and you weren't. Yeah. So we got a new nurse. She was amazing. She was like really upbeat and funny and kind of what we needed. Ooh, ninja nurse. Too um, proud nurse. Yeah, it was perfect. She was really encouraging. I'm looking at Catherine's timeline here because I'm like, I don't remember. So at 8 a.m. I was 8 centimeters, 8-ish centimeters it says. And Ish. at zero or plus one, great progress. I had a slightly elevated temperature at 9 a.m. And my water was broken for 24 hours. Ah. Yeah. You hit the wall. Well, whatever. <laughs> they were pretty cool about it. They that. were really cool about it. Okay. The, the, the best part of my whole experience, other than Catherine being there, was that the midwives were amazing. Mm, and I great. never felt rushed or there were, no, there were no scare tactics. They never said, like, we have to do this now. They would always say, this is what we recommend. Why don't you talk about it? If, if I asked for more time... I don't think they ever said no. They were always like, sure. They were always like, sure, we'll, we'll revisit in an hour or two. Hmm. Um, it was really wonderful. It was hard for me to see that for a long time, but now that I have some distance from it and I've read more and just looking back on everything, it was like the most respectful, wonderful care. It really was. I can imagine how things would have gone if I had stayed with my OB. So what point did things turn more cesarean-oriented? So... I remember – I'm looking at Catherine's notes. I remember in the afternoon I was measuring the same 8 centimeters but swollen on the right due to the asynclyticism. Uh. And they wanted to do an IUPC, which is an intrauterine pressure catheter, to monitor my contractions to potentially do more pit to see if the, the baby the would tolerate it yeah. and also to measure my contractions. My contractions were no good. They're I remember – Yeah, my, my medical records, which I brought – So they, they did the IUPC? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. 
they're they're often described as inadequate contractions, which is which is a little harsh, but it's a little harsh. They definitely were inadequate. They were not consistent. There was no pattern. Your body was tired. My body was so exhausted. Like the rest hadn't really helped a ton. And it was I would have kind of one bigger one and then it was like these tiny ones and it just my uterus had lost all of its power and wasn't seeming like it was regaining it. And you had a fever spiking. And then I right. And so um, I remember we talked in the afternoon with the midwife. She expressed her concerns about the whole situation, and I expressed my fear of a C-section, which was the one thing I really didn't want. And so that we we had more time. They gave me some oxygen, and then it just stayed like that until the evening. Theo was at my son. He was actually fine. I was becoming not fine. I started to get sick. I was. You had something going on in your lungs. I had crackling right? in my lungs. My urine output wasn't good. I was on 19 of pit, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is pretty high, mm-hmm. at 4:45 in the afternoon. It's 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 crazy because at at 6 p.m. I was nine centimeters, but now zero station. And there are a lot of concerns that he was OP or asynclitic, um, that my uterus was just dead, and that I was going to have a major hemorrhage, and that I wouldn't be able to push. And so we started talking about C-section. I'm just going to go through, because you just dropped a lot of terminology. So OP yeah. means the occiput, the baby's skull, is posterior against your spine, which yeah. can be more complicated to come out. Right, and causes um, all the back labor. Or asynclitic, not lined up well. Mm-hmm. Um, uterus being dead, meaning just potentially out of juice. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. not contracting hard, which yeah. is both not ideal for squeezing a baby out mm-hmm. of you, but then also after right. the baby comes, contracting to close the wound. Right. Um, and so for all of those reasons? Yeah. So then the, the midwives recommended C-section, and I was devastated. And we talked about it, and we decided to go for it. It was actually more about me than my son. I mean, he was fine the whole time. His he was really chill pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a couple of just, you know, typical variables and stuff like yeah. that. But nothing, mostly just because she was progressing and right. that sort of he was, stuff. He was pretty good. It was you. It yeah. was me. It was you we were worried about. I was, my lungs, I, I wasn't breathing well. I was on oxygen. I had crackling in my lungs. I, I, I'm sure I had a, still had a fever at that point, mm-hmm. um, which spiked majorly during the C-section and then after. Mm-hmm. And... I though all, all everything we just talked about, like the uterus issue, the power issue, the postpartum hemorrhage issue. And I think too, once they realized that baby was probably mm-hmm. OP, you need that much more power, right? Right, because then you right. got to actually move this baby and then move this baby yeah. down and through. Greater demand, less supply. Yeah, exactly. and it was unlikely that his chin was flexed, like that his chin mm-hmm. was down. We were just talking about this before. I, yeah, we, think we think his think... chin was up, so that's not awesome either. No. <laughs> yeah. So for all of those reasons, we decided to do the C-section, and I was devastated. To me, that was like a failure. That was just how I felt about it. I had this notion that birth was natural and that if I did all the right things and had all the right people on my team, that that wouldn't happen to me. Mm. But it happened to me. The scary, One of the scariest parts, and I was talking about this with my care team now, was that my husband couldn't come in when they were prepping. And so I was just in there, and, you, and Catherine, they didn't let Catherine in. They did let the midwife in, mm-hmm. but she's not. I mean, I love her. She's not your, but she's not like person. my chosen. I mean, she's my chosen support person, but not not the same. And so I was in there, really sick, freaking out, having a panic attack Without your with people. the midwife and the anesthesiologist, who was lovely and held my hand while she was pumping me full of drugs. <laughs> but it was very scary. 
I mean, to just be vulnerable in that position and alone and feel so alone like that for right. like 10 minutes. Yeah, that's salt on an open wound. Yeah. Literally. Like, why it's, not at that point? I never under, really understood it. I don't, understand. I don't understand it either. Your support people during that very difficult yeah, time for you. That's kind of the time when you want them there the Even most. Even if you wanted to have a cesarean, mm-hmm. that's still, uh, you know, mm-hmm. an ang- high anxiety time. Yeah, it's, it's scary. big. And so, yeah, it's scary. So, yeah. So then Ben came in and I calmed down a tiny bit, but not a lot. Were, um, Catherine, were you allowed into the cesarean as well? No, no it was in either. It was either me One or, or the other. Or yeah. the midwife at that point, and at that point, we felt like the it midwife probably was better. better for her to have her in there, so she could kind of oversee what was going on and mm-hmm. yeah. give her some feedback. Mm-hmm. To be yeah. honest, yeah. So then it happened, <laughs> and Ben was really fascinated. I mean, he was worried about me, obviously, but he was very fascinated by the process, and he's not squeamish, so. He stood up and watched over the curtain while they were doing everything and kind of told me what was going on, which was nice. I was shaking violently and vomiting, dry heaving the entire time. And that happens with vaginal birth, too. I know. But it's hard when you're on a table and you're, like, supposed to not be You're lying down. You're lying down on your back with this giant belly, and it's just not comfortable. And it's very cold in there. It's it's not a happy place. I I don't really like hospitals, and I don't like operating rooms. I've never been awake in an operating room before, so it was not a fun time. But you did it. But I did it, and and he was born. There was a lot of meconium in there, but he hadn't aspirated anything. God, he was he was okay. He wasn't breathing, so they had to like rub him and do Meaning all this. Immediately when he came out, he didn't take the first breath right. Yeah, away. and his first scores were not great, but then his second scores were awesome. Which is normal, I think, yeah. for a C-section baby because they're not squeezed through the birth canal and all of that. And then they tried to put him on me, but I couldn't hold him because I was so sick and I was shaking. I was scared. And I didn't know that I could have had someone help me hold him. So that didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. like, the skin-to-skin that I had wanted, this whole golden hour thing, went out the window. But they actually cut Ben's shirt open and put him on Ben. And he did skin-to-skin with Ben for, like, a really long time. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So that was nice. I think one of the silver linings of the situation was that it was a good initiation for Ben. Like, he really had to step up and become the dad because I was so incapacitated. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. I couldn't actually hold him for, like, three or four hours after he was born. Yeah, which sucked. <laughs> I have two questions mm-hmm. because then I want to talk about this birth that's coming up very soon. <laughs> uh, what did I sign myself up for? <laughs> but, but, yeah, exactly. But I have two burning questions. Really. Yeah. In retrospect— mm-hmm. Do you think you should have had the spicy ramen? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it would have helped. Okay. Um, That's no your idea. question? No, no, no. I, no my, more importantly, were you able to set up the cute Jewish um, anesthesiologist? No. I never saw him again. Uh, Such a bummer. But I know his name, which I'm not going to say right now. Yeah. He's so adorable. And he was from Wisconsin. My mom's from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So we, like, talked about that. It was so cute. Um. No, I know. I mean, it's you have a very positive spirit and attitude knowing that you, again, you thought about home birth. You don't really like hospitals. You decided to do a hospital, but with midwifery and with mm-hmm. a doula and excited to do it natural. I mean, it's it's a, not an uncommon story. It's not. And then the back labor just oh, gets you it's hard. The worst. And, um, I, I thought I was going to die. I was yeah. like, I might die. This I've, is just I've, insane. I've been doing body work at back labor uh, births, really tough, strong people who can kick my arse hard, mm-hmm. um, who get kind of taken, but they they go for a long time. Sometimes they're like, "I'm gonna get through it. Yeah, I'm gonna get through it." I'm, I'm like, "Okay, she powered but, through." 
But sometimes I'm like, can I just get an epidural? It's hard to watch. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so hard to watch. It's like unless so. someone can press on your back for 50 hours. No, we just, by the way, we had Emily Duravin. I don't know if you know her. She's an actor, but she had a, was going to do a, a birth center birth with her first baby mm-hmm. and then got taken down hard by back labor and went to yeah. the hospital, got an epidural, had a vaginal birth. But I give her a lot of credit because for her second baby, she planned a home birth. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, it, it, just because it happened once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Maybe right. this one will be different. And um, spoiler alert, she has a, a great non-back labor birth at home. So That's awesome. Um, that's the energy I'm moving into There's this hope. pregnancy with. <laughs> Absolutely. You. You're at the yeah. very end of your second pregnancy. Mm-hmm. You're planning for vaginal birth after cesarean. Yep. And what kind of support do you have around you this time? Similar. I'm with the midwives again mm-hmm. because I really trust them. And I feel that they really did everything they could. And I don't think it was like, oh, my doctor was in a hurry and, you know, or I had a C-section for some unnecessary reason, which I don't need to get into. There are lots of those. (laughs) And they have a great VBAC success rate. It's like 80%. Mm. They're super into it. Meaning 80% of people who do a trial of labor, quote unquote. Yes, have a successful VBAC. Mm -hmm. And I, I debated, like we talked about this a lot, a while ago, I, I debated, you know, switching to an OB who was really VBAC friendly. And then I decided, no, I, I want to – I really like the midwifery model of care. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be great to actually be with them from the beginning. Last time I was only with them at the very end. And I just trust them. I like their model. I like their approach. I knew that we would make decisions together. And I know that everything they do is evidence-based, which I really appreciate and like. I'm, I mean, I'm 36 now, so there, but there's no, like, AMA, advanced maternal age. Oh, we have to induce you at, you know, 39 weeks because you're 36. Mm-hmm. It's not evidence-based. They don't do that. Yeah. I do your massages differently because you're over 35. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> so forever. Your geriatric massage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, so I decided to stay with them, and then Catherine's going to graciously be my doula again, despite me putting her through the longest labor she's ever been in. Oh, wow. There's a record. I'm, a, a record. I'm the record. She's the record. Trophy. 50 hours <laughs> plus wow. the C-section. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And obviously my husband's still around. I mean, how else did I – well, I guess that's kind of – I could have made this a different way. Yeah. But it doesn't always answer that know, question. As far as we know, it's his. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, I mean, I, not that much is different. No castor oil. No castor oil. Um, I have done work, if you will, to try to process everything and move forward in a positive direction. I thought I had processed everything a lot, but then getting pregnant again and thinking about back, kind of approaching this whole experience, a lot of stuff came up, mm-hmm. which makes sense. So I did a VBAC class, which I'd highly recommend, a private class. With someone I learned about from one of your podcasts. Oh, yeah. Can I, should we say Can that? I mention her? Yeah, of course. Yeah, with Sarah Levon. She's amazing. So Sarah Levon was a labor and delivery nurse turned uh, childbirth educator slash doula. Yeah. And she she does online childbirth education, so you can do it from anywhere. Yeah. I've recommended it to a lot of other people who aren't in L.A., but we yeah. did a, an in-person private VBAC yeah, class. Also great energy. Great energy. It was awesome. I did um, a session, if you will, with Britta Bushnell, who also mm-hmm. did a podcast with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most profound experiences of my entire life. Yeah. yeah. A lot of crying. Yeah. Well, 
Well, Britta in general, I think, keeps Kleenex in um There's like a box of Kleenex <laughs> right in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> she goes right in we go. Re- we went really deep. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know what to expect from that, but it was wonderful. And it was the first time that I think I really accepted what happened and forgave myself. Oh, well, that's a powerful yeah. thing you just said. Because I used to blame myself a lot. For what? For everything. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Just for how it went and what could I have done differently and why didn't it work out and just all of it. When things shifted for you, and I know you were devastated by having to have a cesarean, did you feel like there was, I know you're involved in mental health now, postpartum mental health. Did you feel like there was support for you at the moment? Did you even have these feelings at the moment, or did they come up later? I had them at the moment, but they came up later, too. Just, like, a lot of shame and embarrassment. Like, I had committed to doing it a certain way, and I didn't succeed. I'm a very goal-oriented person, and so that was really hard for me. Um, And I, like I said, I had this kind of idealized notion of birth, and I thought that if I did everything right, I could control it. But I learned from my experience that you can't control it. Even if you drink kale. Even if you do everything. But if you could go back Mm -hmm. to before that birth, what would you do different in terms of, because you said, I I put it out there, this is how I want to do it, and then you didn't end up doing it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think you put, like, in retrospect, too much pressure on it has to be this way? Definitely. I was definitely really attached to it being a certain way. And I think that was the major issue was that, that my expectations weren't met. Like, I expected it to be this way that I wanted that seemed so beautiful and nice, and then it didn't happen that way, and so I felt like a failure. And that was crappy. <laughs> yeah, especially for someone who's so strong and... Whatever, strong people have feelings, Whatever too. the opposite of failure is. <laughs> no, but in, ter- in terms of being a failure, you're like yeah. a success in everything that you do, so... And you're a success in your birth, too. I mean, you, right. I think it takes a lot more strength and courage to realize that your birth plan's shifted mm-hmm. and uh, and to go down the flow chart to yeah. the cesarean when you need to, yeah. even though you don't want to, yeah. than to keep fighting it, you know, yeah. kicking and screaming when, when you yeah. know. And it's hard because I think there's a lot of, there's so much push to intervention mm-hmm. that's not necessary right. or that's borderline or that's pushed on people who don't want it and don't need it that all of a sudden when you find yourself in that situation, it's like, oh, I'm just What being, do I do? Yeah. <laughs> or I'm just being led down, you know, this right. path like everybody else. Now I'm just a statistic in the bad system and... But I think every single one of those interventions is is great right. from induction to cesarean to epidural. Right. They can be really great when they're used like in a more sparing kind of mm-hmm. way or when they're offered to people in a way that if they want them or need them, right. then they're, they're going to have them. They're, yeah. they're, they're really great tools. Great tools. Yeah. But I think because they're overused, then you start to realize, I don't need this. Yeah, this you, is not yeah. for me. Or, you know, why am I being pushed into this arena? And I kind of feared them a little. I was like, I don't want any interventions. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. But at the same time, when I do childbirth education, I have a hard time sometimes with people who are really driven towards this is going to be how I'm going to do mm-hmm. it. And they don't want to. It's like if I don't look at it, I don't yeah. hear about it, and I don't talk about it, it's not going to happen to yeah. me. I don't want to put it into the universe. But then when it happens, it right. sort of like takes you by surprise. Right. I wasn't totally like hiding from the cesarean reality. Um, I did watch some C-section videos, and I did read about it, and I did have a section on my birth preference plan, mm-hmm. whatever you want to yeah, call we it, talked about, it for sure. about C-section and what I wanted if 
if that happened. And of course, none of it worked. Like I didn't get Ben to come in or Catherine, and I didn't oh, get the skin plan. to skin. And yeah. you know, it didn't work out. I didn't get delayed cord clamping, obviously. Right. But I had those things on there. I wasn't totally ignorant about it, but I still was very attached to it being a certain way. And I was like, that's not going to happen to me. I, I just – I really thought that I could control it. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned over the last, you know, three years of being a parent and from my birth experience last time is that you just can't really control it. <laughs> you can control certain things. You can control who you choose to be there with you and take care of you. And you can control, you know, certain choices that you make. But you can't control it. I think you can set yourself up with good support and you can aim for what you want, which is, you know, page one of your birth plan. Mm -hmm. But sometimes things come up that push you down to page two, three, or four, and it's still part of your birth plan. Your cesarean was part of your birth plan. Yeah. It just wasn't the part you wanted to head towards unless you absolutely needed to. Right. I just feel like so rotten inside that you felt guilty about it for so long, like you did something wrong, you know, or like you failed. It's kind of self-imposed. I'm a perfectionist. And but it's not just you. It's it's a mm-hmm. common thing that's you. It, 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 I mean, it is. There's a lot of judgment on both sides in our culture about C-section, about unmedicated birth, medicated birth. There's just a lot of judgment all around. Um, it's hard to avoid. But I do so believe— So this time— Yeah. Are, do you feel like you're going in more open? Yes. To Definitely. whatever might happen? Yeah. I, I I accept that I can't control it. I would like to control it, of course, because I'm a very controlling person, but I accept that I can't. I might be there with you. Yeah. I'm a little self-conscious about it because <laughs> how am I going to even come close to smelling as good as Catherine? <laughs> you're not. I mean, I mean you're I'm, just not. I'm going to have because I could try. Just skip the burrito. Yeah, seriously, I'm not going. I will not. not. I'm committing to you right now. No burritos until this baby's Just no burritos. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to have a burrito either. That probably would not feel good being puked out. Can you give me um, like a one-minute summary of PSI and what it is sure. and what you do for them? Yeah. Because I would do like a whole episode. Maybe we should. Okay. Um, but we we're so out of time. But I just okay. want to get a sense of what it is. Um, so Postpartum Support International is a nonprofit that is committed to improving women's mental health, basically, both in pregnancy and postpartum. And the bulk of the organization is volunteers. I'm a volunteer. Everyone I work with, quote unquote, is a volunteer. And there are two main ways to volunteer. You can be what I am, which is a coordinator. It's kind of a 24-7 job. I have a Google Voice number for PSI and an email. People can call me, email me, text me. And it's my responsibility to respond to them within 24 hours. Okay, you're a ninja when it comes to that stuff anyway. <laughs> I'm fast. <laughs> I'll send you an email and I'm like, okay, I'll put this out there and I'll, probably in a couple of hours yeah. before I even get a chance to like get up off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, I'm, if I'm on the computer, I'll respond really fast. So fast. Um, and so I have to respond to them within 24 hours. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to have all the information they need. You just have to connect. Yeah. And... From there, we connect however that is on the phone or email or text. Some people prefer one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I basically ask them what's been going on and listen, offer support, and then I offer them resources. I, we discuss what kind of resources they want. We have support group, referrals, therapists, psychiatrists, and all kinds of other things, but those are the big three. And so I get their information where they live and any preferences they have, what insurance they have, if they want to go through insurance, all the details. And then I start looking for resources, which I usually send to them within a few days. 
and then I go. So it's we a go, lot of work. Yeah, it's a You're lot of work. A lot of a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Do you find it therapeutic for you? It's wonderful. It's helpful. I've always loved helping people. I mean, I used to be a teacher. Yeah. So I think I'm just a helping profession kind of person. <laughs> Agreed. Um, well, I actually think you coming here and sharing your story is going to help people. Yeah, me too. I hope so. so. I'm grateful that you did. Thanks. And um, I look forward to having you back on the other side of this birth. And I can only hope and I feel fairly certain will be, no matter how it goes, a better experience. Yeah. Um, Catherine, yes. thanks for joining us as my well. My pleasure. <laughs> where, where do we find you online? Um, you can find me on my website. Um, it's com. Oh, that's why that was taken can... already. I couldn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> or you can Google the whole story behind that. Or you can just Google my name. Oh. I'll pop up. I uh, found her on Doula Match. I don't know if that still exists, but yeah, I'm Doula still Match on is still there. there. And, you know, yeah, it's it like it's like online dating for doulas. <laughs> I keep it because I can have a calendar on there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's it's super helpful. easy. So they yeah. can see if you're available or not. Yeah, right. that's so cool. Yeah. And um, Sarah, you, I know you're very active on VBAC support groups. Yes. <laughs> like online. Yeah. Um, are are they well populated? Are they helpful? I do think they're helpful. Um, there are all different kinds of them. There's one that I hate. There's one that's horrible. It's, it's called evidence-based, but it's not evidence-based, and they're so mean in there. Poor. I've never seen anything yeah. like it. But the other groups I'm in are great, and the women, most of the women are, a lot. not most, a lot of the women are well-informed, and then the ones who aren't, we try to inform them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a lot of support, talking about options, encouraging people to find a new provider. I do find it therapeutic. Sometimes it's a little bit triggering, too, and I have to kind of take a break. Yeah, I can see that. Um, like earlier in my pregnancy, this pregnancy, I, I was on it them a lot, and I found it to be a little bit triggering. And I was like, and I had also had someone tell me that she was sure I could have done something to avoid the cesarean, and I was just like, I, I, I can't do this. It's not productive at all and not true. And it's evil. And yeah. It's... I really do believe that the biggest factor in a birth is the baby. Like the baby chooses the way it's born. And for whatever reason, my son needed to be born that way. I really do believe that. And so to have someone tell tell me that I could have done more is Mm -hmm. just infuriating and upsetting and not helpful. (laughs) Yeah. I think we really will have to do an episode just on on that. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a friend who just, um, she beat breast cancer. And um, we were having long talks about how all her friends, including me, probably abandoned her in the middle. We're all there at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of goes on for a while and you have a short attention span. Right. I think a lot of it is just sometimes not knowing what to say. Yeah. And so maybe we can improve the dialogue there so that the support is there in a positive way. Yeah. In mm. a therapeutically helpful way. Honest, but, yeah. but Word, helpful. Words really matter, I think, especially in pregnancy and childbirth and that book I recommended to you, she talks a, a good birth. A she good talks birth. a lot about how much words matter. I think it's so true. Yeah, I agree. All right, everyone. Um, we'll be back with part two <laughs> of the story, the, the after <laughs> episode next. Um, thanks for listening to us. You can find all of our media, including our VBAC documentary, Trial of Labor. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, and our other documentary and our YouTube series, The Real Midwives of Los Angeles, by going to Instagram and following me, Dr. Berlin, which is spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. That's Dr. Berlin on Instagram. Just click on the bio link and it'll take you to all of our media. Or you can always go to informedpregnancy.com. I 
cara. Oh!